0: It's an interesting coincidence that two of the most substantial extant manuscript codices from late late medieval Gaelic Ireland, the books of Ballymote and Leckon, were produced for the most part within a couple of dozen miles and perhaps as little as a couple of years of one another. Both of these very substantial compendia of medieval Gaelic literature and learning were compiled and penned mainly within the bounds of the area which, about two centuries later, was to be designated the county of Sligo. And both works were, as we have heard from other speakers, put together under the respective direction uh, of members of two of the foremost hereditary learned families of North Connacht, those of Odiganaan and MacIrvishy. Assisted in each case by two or three, or perhaps we'll find out more, uh, accomplished scribes. The two principal compilers or editors you will recall were respectively Monus Odigin for the Book of Ballymote and Gileisa Makirvishi for the Book of Lekin. It's not too surprising then to find that the two manuscript volumes bear a good deal of similarity to one another in form, format, structure and contents. And yet, there are some significant differences between them. Also, the two volumes are approximately identical in size. For and you can compare them: the Ballymote over there and just uh, Lekin just outside the door. Um, for while lekin has about a quarter more leaves or folios than Ballymote, the leaves in the latter are about a quarter longer from top, bottom to top and about one sixth broader than those in the former, except for a small number of leaves in BB, which are smaller than the norm for that manuscript. And I've given you the dimensions there in um, in your handout, I think, have I? Yes, um, uh, number one in the handout. And uh, you'll forgive me, I've used inches because I still can't get my head around. Uh, uh, I know what uh, uh, millimetres are, but I have no idea how, how big or how long <laughs> a millimetre or a centimetre is. I still have to convert it. <coughs> so I'm... Um, And not quite going back to the old money, but you know. Um, So each sheet or double folio of Ballymote, comprises a sheet of vellum some 19 and a half inches wide by 15 and a quarter inches high, so quite substantial. <clears throat> As to the contents of the two volumes, we are fortunate to have quite comprehensive accounts, both by Kathleen and Mulcrone, included consecutively in the Catalogue of Irish Manuscripts of the RIA, Fasciculus uh, 13, uh, which was published in 1934. While the same scholar furnished a very detailed description of Leckon running to some 55 large format pages as an introduction to the facsimile issued by the Irish Manuscripts Commission in 1937. The catalogue's description of Leckon runs to 60 pages and that of Ballymote uh, to um, uh, 45 Basing myself on the catalogue accounts, I have set out the contents of each manuscript in list form in order to make it easier to distinguish the separate items. That's the, the stuff on your handout that you can read at your leisure. When, when we compare the two lists, we find that Ballymote may be deemed to contain 65 separate texts or works, while Lekin has 80. Now, this is a rather arbitrary division, it has to be said, <coughs> since the various texts differ considerably in length, and your division mightn't be my division and so on. Some some of these works are very substantial, while others are extremely brief. Moreover, while a poem, say, that occurs in between two more substantial texts is treated as a separate item, if a poem, often a very long one, occurs within the body of a larger text such as Llarguala or the collection of secular genealogies or the it's generally not listed as a separate work this is in my list here it's of course difficult to apply this rule of complete consistency and i'm aware that there may be some glaring inconsistencies in the lists i've prepared uh, but it's just uh, as a working model, as it were. The first item in Ballymote is a Middle Irish work with the Latin title, which we heard of about a good deal yesterday, etates Mundi, The Six Ages of the World. Much of it is a summary of Old Testament history arranged in sections corresponding to those periods or ages. As we heard yesterday, the text was edited more than 30 years ago by Davio Cronian, although not principally, as we heard from B.B. The editor, incidentally, noted the suggestion of Hans Oskamp that Sex etates, quote, may have been a standard opening text in many of the late, seven, late 11th and early 12th century Irish codices. The six etates also occurs close to the beginning of Lechín. In both Ballymote and Lekin, the text uh, of Sexitatis is followed immediately by a poem of more than 90 quatrains that begins, Redig, A Aje, the Niv, and is attributed, at least according to the Academy's printed catalogue, to one, Dun o Ohochle. Uh, you can see it there uh, on uh, number 3 on your handout 3A. A name rendered slightly differently as Dun Cochwid Ohochle in the Book of Lekin. I'll have more to say on this rather strange name presently, but first I should note that rather than being considered a discreet work, the poem is rather, is rather an appendix to Sexetatis, being simply a summary of the prose text. Now, the question of the poet's name is interesting. As is clear from O'Cronian's edition, his name was in fact Du or o Hohle. Uh, the apparently alternative form of his personal name comes from the initial lines of the poem's final quatrain. Misha dun Coochbhwag o Coochile a which O'Cronian translates as I am from the Cuckoo's Plain, question mark, uh, direct, supposedly a direct translation of Kochvog uh, from the monastery, o from Kileshen. Now, we might observe that this rather striking compound, Kochvog, is treated by Hogan's on the Gaudelicum, as if it were a regular place name, located somewhere near Glenusian or Cilexian, County Leash, which, uh, as those of you who know it, overlooks the town of Carlow. Now, I can't offer much by way of solution to the crooks, but two things may be worth noting. First, Coch may not refer here to the cuckoo, but rather to a cup or a goblet. And by extension, a hollow, as in the well-known South Sligo place name, Shanchoch, Seanchoach, which was mentioned yesterday in relation to the Book of Ballymote. It was uh, referred to on Ruri's handout, uh, where uh, the book is referred to as Leaur, munshra Divginan o Seanchoach o And of course, in Monaghan, you have Seanchoachduff, Seanchoachduff, which also has literary associations, in this case, uh, with Patrick Kavanagh. Secondly, the fact that the place name that occurs in the very next line, Glenishin, uh, has its elements reversed to give us Ishin Glan, prompts the thought that Cochmag may be more correctly Ma koch or Ma Goch, or could it perhaps be Kill Cochwee or even Kill Ma Coch? Um, unfortunately, this doesn't take us very far, for I have as yet found no example of any of these place names. But it's one of these things that we can uh, play around with for quite a while without maybe ever reaching a solution. Now, <clears throat> the text of is an accompanying poem, are followed immediately in Ballymote by a number of short but rather similar texts, a chronological tract on the five ages of the world a tract on place names in Asia and related matters, a Latin account of the ages of the world, and finally, a poem of seven quatrains, She Bliadna Cuegid Malle, which we are told was written in 1126. Some or all of this extra material is suggested by O'Cronian to have belonged to what he terms recension three of the sexetates. That is the recension represented by Balimote and Lekin, whose texts he remarks are, Quote, are to all intents and purposes the same, though they differ from one another sufficiently for us to be able to say that neither is a direct copy of the other. And this is an observation that can be applied to several other texts shared by the two manuscripts. When we observe the treatment of the sexeatates and accompanying materials in the book of Lekin as compared to Ballymote, the first thing to be noted is that, as already mentioned, sexeatates is not the opening text in the great Lacan manuscript. Instead, it comes after two recensions of the celebrated work of Irish pseudo-prehistory Lhavar Gavala the so-called Book of Invasions. Secondly, there's no trace in Lekin of the various short texts which, I have, as I've mentioned, follow the text of Sexetatis in Ballymote. Incidentally, the version of the poem Radi uh, de Nive that occurs in Lekin has 97 quatrains, three more than are found in Ballymote. And in Lechen the poem is followed by another, much longer poem with the same title or opening line. Uh, and this other poem, which is anonymous, has no fewer than 305 quatrains. Immediately after Sexitatis and the selection of short texts aforementioned, Ballymote has a work ascribed to the celebrated 11th century poet of Monaster Boyce known as Flan Manistrach. This is his Book of Synchronisms, Lyar Ko Amshirtha, which is generally treated as portion of the Lyar uh, The next significant item in the contents of Ballymote is what is termed recension C of the Lyar corresponding to the version of the text inserted at the very end of the Book of Lekin. Turning to Lekin for a moment, this means that that manuscript contains no fewer than three recensions of Lyar The first two of these uh, are, are those that were de- designated respectively BA or B1 and BB or B3, according to whether one follows the practice of Rudolf Thurneisen or Anton van Hamel, two of the main scholars who worked on these, uh, uh, on this text. Appended to or included in Ljaragawala is the lengthy poem Ada O Inish Niv, a work of 84 quatrains ascribed to the 12th century poet of Devonish, in Lorlach Ern Gyllamma-Hooda o'Cásige, who is probably better known as the author of the verse form of the Bonhannachas, a work that will be mentioned later in, in this talk. The Leargoála and poem just mentioned are followed in Ballymote by four lists of Christian kings, those of Ulster, Leinster, Connacht and Munster, accompanied by royal pedigrees. The lists are interspersed with four lengthy historical poems, the first of which was the famous Ulster poem of 80 quatrains, replete with genealogical detail, Clan Olivan Uisle Avna. Uh, Francis John Byrne published an exemplary edition of this work over half a century ago in Studia Hibernica, Volume 4. Of the remaining three poems, two relating to Leinster and Connacht and containing 70 and 74 quatrains respectively, are said to be the work of Gillen and Eve O'Din, while the third poem of 71 quatrains relating to Munster is said to have been composed by the famous Connacht poet Sean Moore O'Duoghain, who died in 1372. At a roughly equivalent spot in Lechen, there are four other long poems, one of 103 quatrains by a certain Oingus, of whom I know nothing. Another of 60 quatrains called Aegsha Banava Neman by Gilla Isa Makirvishi. A third of 51 quatrains attributed to Gila Maghuda, obviously Gila Maghuda or aforementioned. And finally, an anonymous work of 83 quatrains, one is ever ard, again um, about the early Malaysian uh, incomers, as it were. Next, in Ballymote, we meet a series of four gnomic or wisdom texts Chaguska Cormac, Brihra Fitl, uh, a collection of gnomic sayings, and finally, this famous and frequently entertaining work, Trechand Breth Fene, usually referred to as the Triads of Ireland. I recall Fergus Kelly giving a, a wonderfully memorable lecture on this topic about 40 years ago. Um, these four texts also occur in Lechen, somewhat further on in that manuscript. Then we come to the largest single work among all of Ballymote's contents, a massive collection of secular genealogies that extends over no fewer than 135 pages or more than a quarter of the entire manuscript. The corresponding text in Lekin, although uh, it lacks a number of folios and is split into three sections, widely separated from one another in the manuscript, is bigger still, It runs to about 105 folios, or 210 pages, just over a third of the entire manuscript. As I propose later on in the talk to look in some more detail at the versions of the genealogical corpus in the two manuscripts, I'll pass over them for now. In both manuscripts, the secular genealogies are followed immediately by a copy of the Ljavur Bratnach, a Middle Irish translation of the Cambro Latin text uh, called Historia Britannum, which was mentioned yesterday also, a legendary history supposedly of the ancient Britons ascribed to a 9th century Welsh monk, Nennius. Um, I won't go into all the questions that arise from all of these attributions. Uh, This is followed in Ballymote by another important genealogical work, The Genealogies of the Irish Saints, um, which together with the long poem Nave Hanachus, nave in Chifoil runs to 24 pages of Ballymote. In Lekin, the saints' genealogies run to 19 folios, or 38 pages, and they're placed just before the secular genealogies. As preserved in Ballymote and Lekin, the genealogies of the saints, which of course were edited uh, 30 years ago by Paddy Corian in, in his Corpus Genealogiarum Sanctorum Hiberniae, they are, quote, grouped in accordance with our tribal affiliations. In other words, they mimic to a considerable extent the arrangement and sequence of the secular genealogies. Of the next 18 texts that follow the saints' genealogies in Ballymote, only two are fairly substantial. The rest consist, consist largely of quite brief tales and anecdotes, although approximately a half a dozen of them, uh, which I list there at number eight in your handout, uh, are of some uh, literary and other interest. The two substantial texts I mentioned a while back are Kor Anun, a celebrated work on the fitness of names, recently re-edited by Sharon Arbutnot, and the very famous work called Levernegarth, The Book of Rights. The latter was treated by John O'Donovan, its first editor, as dating from the time of Cormac Macquillanine, the learned King Bishop of Cashel, who met his death in 908. But when I was at school many, many years ago, our history book suggested it was much, much older. According to the then standard work of Hayden and Moonan. I don't know if anyone here remembers it, A short history of the Irish people, it was, quote, attributed to Saint Benignus, the disciple and immediate successor of Saint Patrick, who died in 458, that is Benignus, and the authors went on to declare, no nation in Europe can boast of such an ancient and detailed account of its early political system. These statements were echoed in James Carty's influential class book of Irish history. Now, of course, Owen MacNeill was inclined to place the work in the reign of Brian Bolivar, that is, around about the year 1000, and in this he was supported by Father Paul Walsh. Over the following half century, however, up to and including the edition produced by Miles Dillon in 1962, the date of compilation was pushed steadily forward, as far as the late 11th century, or even, in the view of Francis John Byrne, into the 12th. And a recent study by Kevin Murray serves to confirm that the work dates for the most part from around the year eleven hundred, all of which quote, uh, has served to diminish the importance of Yavernegarth as a witness to the earlier historical period. Incidentally, as Ruri O'Higgian mentioned yesterday, although the, although the two texts I've just mentioned, Cór Anman and Yarnegarth, occur in both Balimot and Lekin, they represent two quite different recensions. The version of Cor Anuman in Lekin differs markedly from that in Ballymote, uh, whose version in turn appears to be the source of the text preserved in the Book of Iwane. In the case of Llearnegarth, the five vellum manuscript witnesses of the text fall into two groups, with Lekin occurring in one group and Ballymote in the other, and the editor Miles Dillon observed that the group to which Lekin belonged was the better of the two. Continuing for the time being with the Book of Lekin, we find that immediately after Lévér Blatannach, the four wisdom texts I mentioned earlier, the instructions of Cormac, sayings of Fithyll, uh, triads of Ireland, collection of nomic sayin, sayings and so on, are inserted together with two dialogue texts, that of Colum Kill and of the Two Sages. After this, Lekin has the important text, the poet's primer, which in Ballymote occurs much further on, indeed some distance after Leavar Nagarth. The Auriccept is followed in Llecain by more than 40 short texts that do not appear in Ballymote. These consist in the main of legends and anecdotes relating to early Irish saints and kings, as well as some material of biblical or ecclesiastical import. Although brief, some of these texts, such as the Siege of Drimdhavgade, the uh, Exile and return of Conall Cork, the Battle of Arteach, the death of the story of the birth of and so on, are of literary or other interest. And several of them have been the focus of scholarly discussion over the past century or so. A particularly interesting point to be noted, however, is that, as I've already mentioned, virtually none of these, in fact, none of these 40-odd pieces in Lekin is represented in Balimot. Now, the next substantial text in the Book of Lekin is, uh, is the work I've already mentioned, Learnegarth. And in both manuscripts, the Book of Rites is followed immediately by the genealogical work known as the Bon Hanachis, Lore of Famous Women, uh, that I mentioned earlier. An imperfect prose version of the work occurs in Ballymote, ending at a point equivalent to Leckin, folio 206 verso, which means that it lacks the final quarter of the text as preserved in Lekin. Now the reason for the incomplete state of the text is unclear, it's not as so often happens in both manuscripts that one or more folios is is missing, instead a page has been left blank for material that was never inserted. What there is of the text in Ballymote is very similar to the equivalent portion in Lekin, which makes one wonder what happened to the scribe that he didn't complete the text. Was his exemplar perhaps on loan and did the owner recall it before the transcription was complete? Uh, it uh, conjures up a picture of uh, the, uh, the people in Lekin wanting to do, copy the work as well and saying, give it to us quickly where we, you promised it was last week, and therefore poor man is having to give it up and leave it incomplete. I don't know, that's only a guess, but uh, it's an interesting uh, thought. Um, The prose text of the Banthianachas is followed in Lekin, but not in Ballymote, by a verse rendering in 273 quatrains, which is an extended version of the Banthianachas poem composed on Devonish in 1147 by Gilliam O'Hooda While that poem, as preserved in the Book of Leinster, uh, mentions no one who lived later than 1030, the the version in Lekin, Makes reference to women who lived as late as the second half of the 12th century. The incomplete uh, prose Bon Hanachus in Ballymote is followed by a series of five substantial pieces, each running to between seven and ten pages. These are a treatise on Irish prosody, uh, the Llaur Olivan, the Book of Oghams, Auricap which I've mentioned already in relation to Lekin, and a work called Fer Ferchirchne, of which I confess I know nothing. Of these, the most famous is undoubtedly the Book of Oghams, uh, whose illustrations of the many and various versions of the Ohm Creve are well known from the postcards the Academy has sold over the years to tourists. We got one in our in our <laughs> pack. Few few of these tourists, I would suggest, have has even the vaguest idea of what these strange symbols represent. Here, I'll quote from Professor Damien McManus on these various alphabets. He said, for the most part, these alphabets have no practical capacity and do not occur outside of this context. This material adds little to our knowledge of Ogham. To the modern reader, these so-called alphabets have all the appearances of being the creation of idle schoolboys, but they seem to have been taken more seriously in medieval times topic for a, a discussion there perhaps. Um, returning to Lekin, the second recension of the Bon Hanachas, that is the poetic one, is followed by a number of secular genealogical texts, all relating to monster peoples, the Ognachta, the, the descendants of Taig and Dalgash. Coming to the end of Ballymote, then we find two important Irish texts, the legal tract called Urachyachtdbhag, the Little Primer on the Privileges and Rights of Various Classes in Gaelic Society, and the Hanachas, the lore of famous places, more specifically the Metrical Hanachas, followed by five classical uh, texts translated from Latin, but which we heard yesterday. While the Urachuctveug does not feature in Lekin, the Hanachas is found in both manuscripts, running to 61 pages in Ballymote and 33 folios, or 66 pages, in Lekin. Both copies, as they stand, are imperfect. Balimote is lacking one folio near the end, while Lekin lacks the beginning owing to a lacuna in the manuscript. This is the penultimate text that enhances the penultimate text in Lekin, which is rounded off, with, as I mentioned earlier, version C of Laorggovalla, which occupies the final 48 folios. As pointed out earlier, this is the, ver- the same version of Laurogowala that occurs in Balimote but it is one of, uh, is one of three Yarguala texts preserved in Lekin. This text, we may note, was appended to, the, to Lekin long after most of the manuscript had been written. The scribe of O'Curnian tells us in a colophon that he was writing it for Gila who by then must have been quite aged, uh, in the year 1418, which is uh, more than a quarter of a century after m- much of the manuscript was written. And then we come to the five classical texts that round off Ballymote, about which we heard from Watcher and uh, Mori yesterday. And as was noted, not a single one of them occurs in Lekin. The reason for this difference between the two manuscripts is unclear. Perhaps Klan Irishy at Lackin were not quite as interested in the learning and literature of Greece and Rome as our neighbours, some t- 24 miles to the southeast in Ballymote. I don't know. Uh, of the five texts in Ballymote, as you know, two are quite lengthy, Toggle 3, uh, The Destruction of Troy, and Imachta Aeneas, uh, version of Virgil's Aeneid, running to 34 and 38 pages, respectively. Scela Alexander MacPhilip is of moderate length, 13, occupying 13 pages, and the remaining two are short. Merigod Iliac's uh, the wanderings of Ulysses and Epistle Alexander have just two and f- have four and two pages respectively. That then is a general outline in comparative terms of the contents of the two great North Conic manuscripts. From a detailed analysis of the contents, as carefully catalogued 80 years ago by Catherine Mulcrone, we can see that there's a striking degree of similarity between the two volumes. A considerable number of texts occur in both manuscripts, the unavoidable conclusion being that the compilers of the two volumes had access to many of the same sources, or at the very least, the same type of sources. There appears, however, to be no evidence whatever that anything in Lekin was copied directly from the slightly older manuscript, Ballymote. But it does make sense that two great manuscripts being compiled within such a short distance and a short time of one another, and treating of much the same types of subject matter, should have drawn on the same or at least a broadly similar range of sources. And here one is tempted to wonder at the precise circumstances of the compilation of these two volumes if, as appears likely from a study of the two sets of genealogies, um, and as uh, Rory O'Higgins uh, reminded me earlier in the week, both manuscripts were being compiled before th- the year 1393, which was the year in which A. Macgierma, the head of, Ma- Lord of Mauluddig, died, and he's the last, his uh, the uh, terminal name in both, in the Macgierma, the genealogies in both uh, manuscripts. Could it be perhaps that the compilation of the Great Book of Lecan was undertaken by Gile Issa Makirvishi in imitation of, or even out of a sense of rivalry with the main project, the major project being undertaken in Ballymote by young Manus O'Deighanon. I'm assuming he is the young, the man who died in 1452, 78 years after his father's death, um, which suggests that Manus must have been uh, uh, possibly only about 20 years of age, uh, and it would leave him around 80. the time of his death. Um, And remember that Gileisa had only just completed another major work of compilation, the great literary compendium of a hundred folios, which I have dubbed elsewhere Lauer Gileisa, which now forms the principal component of the composite manuscript known as the Yellow Book of Lekin. Apart from the geographical and temporal congruity just referred to, there is also an interesting genealogical linkage between the books of Balimote and Lekin that may be noted. This is the relationship by marriage between Thamilthoch MacDonagh, of whom Rory spoke yesterday, king of Cor- Corn and Chirel, and presumed patron of the compilers of uh, the book of Balimote on the one hand, and Gile Isa Moor the chief compiler or editor of the book of Lekin on the other because Gileisa's wife was Kitriana Nichonaha a second cousin to Tumultoch, and you'll see the uh, genealogical table at the very end of your handout. Gileisa was no doubt very aware of this link when he penned a couple of famous colophons in the book of Lechon. The first of these uh, declared that he was writing the autumn Macdonagha was killed, while in the second he says that he was writing the book Quote, for himself and his son after him, the winter after MacDonagh's death. And in a third colophon, one of uh, Gelaeus' scribal assistants, Murcha Rewacha Quinlish, says he was writing for his master, his Ija, i.e., for Mac the autumn MacDonagh was slain. Now, the incident in question in the three colophons was famously misconstrued by, fa- by various scholars, most notably Eugenio Curry and Paul Walsh who taught, respectively, that is referred to an affray in North Connacht in 1417 or 1416. And then, just over 40 years ago, Thomas Cuncannon pointed out that the reference was quite clearly to the death in battle in County Sligo in mid-August 1397 of Tumaltough Macdonough, Gile's wife's cousin. So that's, that's the link. Now, when we turn... Uh, uh, in the time remaining, I just want to look at quickly at the, the secular genealogies, the substantial collections uh, in Ballymote and Lekin. And when we see to compare them, the first thing we notice is their broad similarity, both in terms of content and layout. Of the 43 different segments into which I have, again, rather arbitrarily divided the book of Ballymote genealogies, only about five segments are entirely absent from Lekin. And the reason for their absence is the presence of a major chasm or lacuna in Lekin At some stage, apparently prior to the early 17th century, part of the great Leccan manuscript, corresponding to pages 87, column C, to 95, uh, column A in Ballymote, that is the equivalent of about 10 Leccan pages of material, was removed for reasons that are unclear and apparently lost. It seems unlikely that this arose... Through an act of censorship, but we probably cannot entirely rule it out. The missing pages appear to have contained the entire genealogies of two branches of the southern Ni the descendants of Cunel Ervrag and of Caribre, reputedly two sons of Ni Yilach, as well as part of a tract on the descendants of another son, Loyre, um, who you may remember was supposedly High King of Ireland when uh, Patrick came, according to Middhugh. Also missing from Lekin is a considerable part of the genealogies of the leading Connacht dynasty, the Evruyn, said to be descended from Brune, the old, an older brother of Neil Neillach. Now, if one wants to indulge in a bit of conspiracy theorising, one can, of course, note that it is suspicious that this drastic mutilation should affect the genealogies of the Evruyn. After all, the Ífjǫn were the principal rivals of the other leading Connacht dynasty, the ÍEacraigh, to uh, the one to whom Clan Irvishi belonged. While the MacDonnells, kings of Ballymote and surrounding area, who feature so strongly in the story of uh, the Book of Ballymote, belonged to the Ífjǫn. And just as Yvruin power had steadily increased over the centuries under such families as O'Flaherty, O'Rourke, and especially O'Crohur, the Y'Ikroch star had continued just as relentlessly to wane. Um, I'm only just throwing that out as, a, uh, as an idea, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to press it very much. Now, having mentioned the loss from Ballymote of a substantial portion of the Evruin genealogies, I must draw attention to another very notable distinction between the genealogical sections of Ballymote and Lekin. This relates to the genealogies of the other great Connacht dynasty, the Yighruch, which in Ballymote are quite brief. They run in all to about 1400 words. In contrast, the Book of Lekin has a remarkably elaborate suite of genealogies and family details covering all branches of the Ieachrach, major and minor, in what are now counties Mayo and Sligo, as well as giving the legendary early history of the dynasty. For example, it weaves into the history uh, that fam- the famous tale Adid Nahi, the death of Dahi Machfeachrach, the largely prose work on Íochrach is complemented by Gilaísa's great genealogical topographical poem, um the Gavlan the Chhain Chhain, a work of, of some 224 quatrains, which, it is implied, was composed as an, an inauguration poem to mark the elevation of the kingship of Íochrach in 1417 of Taigo Duda, in succession to his brother, Rúdi, during whose reign Uh, the manuscript uh, Lekin tells us uh, the manuscript was was compiled. As I've noted elsewhere, there are some small but perhaps significant differences in detail between the prose text and the poem. I don't have time to go into uh, these here, but it may be worthwhile mentioning a couple of statistics in relation to the two works. In all, the prose text has mention of some 220 place names, the vast majority of which are easily recognizable or identifiable, um mostly names of parishes and townlands in counties mayo and sligo and it also mentions about 190 family names or surnames the poem is about the same number of family names although the forms of the names sometimes differ sometimes differ but it has also about it has about 50 fewer place names so roughly um, 170 place names compared to 220 in the prose it's perhaps not surprising then that John O'Donovan used versions of these two texts, namely the Book of Lekin version of the poem and the Walt of MacGirvish's slightly revised version of the prose as the basis of the la- second largest of his editorial works, The Magnificent Genealogies, Tribes and Customs of Echruk, published by the Irish Archaeological Society in, in eighteen forty four. Now, compared to the tract on the Íeachrach in Ballymote, which is mentioned, runs to about 1400 words, the corresponding prose text in Lekin has more than five times that amount of material, about 8,000 words, while the poem has a further 4,400. That means that the entire Íeachrach tract in the book of Lekin is a work of more than 12,000 words, or about nine times the length of the corresponding work in the book of Ballymote. When, in the mid-17th century, Duwalto Magirvissi inserted slightly expanded and updated versions of the two great conic genealogical tracts in his book of genealogies, that and the Eve Ruin, being presumably based mainly on the book of Lech and Recension, prior to the loss of folios, uh, which had so gr- has so grievously uh, injured that work, the resulting statistics for the respective tracts are as follows. The Eve Ruin tract, as Duwalto has it, runs to about 19,000 words. The Eichrich tract has about 14,000. Now, I should emphasize here that the walter could not have had direct use of either the book of Ballymote or the book of Lecan when compiling his book of genealogies. Since both of these manuscripts were then in England in the, uh, with the rest of Archbishop Usher's great library, it's quite certain, however, that he had access to a genealogical compilation or collection of compilations deriving from at least one, if not both, of the great Sligo manuscripts. So we often speak of manuscripts which are now missing, and sometimes we just guess, but in this case, we do know there must have been uh, material uh, that he used as the basis for his, his text. Um, could it possibly have been the exemplar used by the compilers of Ballymote or Lekin? We don't know. There's now no trace of it anyway. Um, we can see, clearly. We can see, for example, that the Walthog's version of the Ieachroch genealogies is clearly based on that in Lekin and not on the much shorter tract in Ballymote. The first third of his Yvduan tract, however, is quite close to that in Ballymote, but the similarity of the two may be overemphasised by the sheer absence of any other early copy. Had the Lekin version of the early part of the tract survived, we might be more inclined to focus on the divergences rather than the similarities between Ballymote and Doualthoch's text. Were there more time to spare, and I'm conscious of the, the clock moving on, I, I would have like, liked to say something about a genealogical item that's unique to Lekin. This is the so-called Lekin miscellany, published in 1932 by Thirliho Rafferty in the volume entitled Genealogical Tracts, Volume 1, the only one to appear, and subjected nearly 40 years ago to detailed and effective criticism by Dunho O'Curroyne uh, in the pages of Aigse. This very intriguing work is deserving of a great deal more attention than it has received to date. To conclude, the two great genealogical collections, Ballymote and Leckin, both dating from around the year 1390-1400, bear so many similarities to one another that one must surely conclude that they are almost certainly copied in large measure, as I said already, from the same range of manuscript sources, not the same manuscripts, the same The same uh, body of material. This stands to reason since the two works were produced largely in the same geographical area and within the ambit of a fairly small learned elite who probably shared much of the same source material with one another. Until the texts are edited in their entirety, it will be difficult to make definitive comparisons, but one can form general impressions. While recently transcribing the genealogies of Kinellreda MacNeil from Ballymote and Lekin, I noted that although the two texts were closely related, there were, there were quite a few differences, mostly minor between them occasional omissions, variations in spelling, or instances of detography and so on. And again, it's interesting to compare another uh, 17th century work, the O'Cleary Book of Genealogies, which I noticed in the past was clearly influenced by uh, Ballymote, uh, which uh, maybe stands to reason, because uh, as we know, the Book of Ballymote, after f- 1522, was held in Donegal, and the O'Cleary family would obviously have had uh, access to it there, and it would, it's clear that they used the genealogical material in particular. But as noted earlier, no, and I repeat this, no text in Lekin was copied directly from the slightly earlier manuscript, Ballymote. We may then describe the two great manuscripts as siblings, not twins, and most certainly not identical twins. Gonna be E aí